Welcome to the Forward 40 Podcast, where we highlight the experiences of 40 women of color on the rise in the nonprofit and social enterprise sectors. This is an ode to our foremothers, a healing circle of our unique experiences, and a bridge of insight and wisdom across generations. everyone to another episode of Forward 40. I just want to acknowledge this moment that we are all experiencing right now across the globe with COVID-19 and the pandemic. Um, Prior to just recording this segment, I actually just had to center myself, get on my knees and pray, quite frankly, and transparently, um, just to be present. Um, I know that I have been personally impacted by by this, and I know others are experiencing it. And I've truly been reflecting on what um, and how uh, women of color that are in mission-based spaces are experiencing this moment right now. So I just wanted to just take the time to just say that I am you, um, I'm here with you, we are here with you, and just thank you for journeying with me and our our guests and the, um, the power of our collective voices that we're bringing to this platform. So with that, um, I'm very pleased and honored to have our current guest, Amy Paulson, in the guest chair today. Um, I was just sharing with her that she doesn't know how much I need this moment. So uh, very, very happy to have her. She is the co-founder, CEO of Gratitude Alliance. So Amy, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And just to echo what you were saying, I I so need this too. These are really difficult times. This is taking a moment to be in connection with another human being and um, to tap in is exactly what what I need right now is medicine. Yes, yes, yes. And um, it's the the feeling is truly mutual uh, and... I'll say that this is not going to be your average podcast. <laughs> this is not going to be your um, your average uh, episode. So thank you again, Amy, for just lending your voice and your experience um, to to us and uh, what what we hope to achieve in the work. I uh, when we had a chance to connect a while ago. Um, I, I jotted down a note of something that you you said. You said, my capacity to experience pain will be matched to experience joy. And that, mm-hmm. I mean, let's put that up on a banner right now. <laughs> let's wave that. <laughs> it's just so, so powerful. I just want to say it again. Uh, my capacity to experience pain will be matched to experience joy. Um And I guess with that, Amy, you know, Gratitude Alliance is very much rooted in um, a deep healing process that you underwent and you're also still going through. Uh, So can you just share more about how it all came to be? uh, What's the mission of of the work and um, how you were able to create this uh, at a time in your life where you said, you know, you were having a difficult relationship with gratitude. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you so much for that question. Um, you know, my heart is feeling really tender right now. So um, if I get emotional um, and, you know, I, I can speak for me and and I also know that a lot of folks are feeling tender right now. So, but I just want to name that because you may hear me 
my voice quiver mm-hmm. or I may need to take a breather Absolutely. <laughs> through the story. Um, the story is really personal. It's, it's painful. Um, it's joyful and it's still, it's still unfolding. And um, I mean, I guess I'll just start with a quick explanation. The, the work that Gratitude Alliance does is to support everyday community leaders to build their capacity to heal cycles of trauma and violence. Mm. And um, the work did not come about at, by any means with me having this idea that we were going to become a, a trauma healing and resilience organization. Um, it came about very organically. Mm. Um, like a lot of people who are in the kind of helping space, you know, we are the wounded healers. Mm. And um, my journey goes back to childhood. Um, as a baby, I was abandoned at a police station in Seoul, Korea. This is a sort of story that I was told by my parents, and that's reflected on my adoption paperwork. It says, abandoned at a police station, um, no information. Hmm. And um, so I grew up with white parents in the States. You know, my parents were from the Midwest, and, um, you know, here I am, this, like, Korean child um, with a Korean sister, also adopted. Um, And, you know, I I tried to, I always knew that I was adopted, but but I always knew, of course, that I was different, you know, looking very different from my parents and always getting a lot of stares from other people. And I, I... started to notice when I was about 12 years old that um, the level of sadness that I was carrying in my heart. And that's the point in time when I first told somebody, I want to kill myself. Mm. Um, and, you know, teenage years, early adolescence, those are tough years for anyone. Um, and I think the, the identity issues, the trauma, um, was catching up to me or, or the symptoms were showing, but I didn't really know what it was. So, you know, I had depression, Mm -hmm. I had an eating disorder. I, um, and all of this was hidden behind this sort of like perfectionist facade. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's strange. Like when you are like this do-gooder perfectionist kid, like I Mm -hmm. wasn't raising a lot of concerns by my parents, but I was just like, I feel crazy inside. Mm-hmm. I don't know what this is. Um, I had access to mental health support. No one ever said the words trauma. No one even thought to like question like about my family history. Um, and so I kind of like shoved all of that into like a nice, neat container in my mm-hmm. heart. Um, and fast forward like 30 something years I went back to Korea just to like I told myself oh it's just to visit you know where I once lived as a baby Um, I'm just going to see the orphanage Mm. like as if I'm going to like a tourist attraction or something you know like (laughs) oh this is no big deal Um, and when I got to the orphanage the social worker there who had actually I found out been there when I was a baby in 1976. Wow. She brought out my old folder, my file with like my pictures, um, and said, we think we have information Hmm. about who your family is or, or where they might, um, where they might be. So here's some like names, four names and some, I think birth dates. It was all written like in handwriting, like, you know, not typed up officially on like the back of the adoption paperwork. Mm. So that kicked off a whole long search. Um, a year and a half later, was it about a year and a half, yeah, a year and a half later, I get an email saying, Dear Amy and your sister, we just mm. found out you're alive. Mm. Mm. You know, this whole like, concept of gratitude I think we talked about this before on our our earlier call was something that didn't sit well with me like Mm -hmm. I never really healed the underlying root causes of the symptoms 
Um, and growing up, a lot of people would say to my parents or even to me, you know, oh, you must be so grateful to your parents for adopting you. Hmm. And I was just like always confused by that because I thought, well, why should I be more grateful from the next person? Like I didn't do anything, but it, you know, like it just felt like it was this sense of guilt that I was carrying around in some way. Yeah. Um, and of course my parents were super gracious. They're like, you know, we're the ones who are grateful, by the way, don't say that stuff to us. <laughs> you know, like any adopted parent would kind of understand this dynamic. It happens all the time, but, um, you know, people say it with good intention, but you know, what happens to the child is hearing this over and over and over again. And then like embodying and feeling that feeling, um, can become very painful. Yeah. So I hated the word gratitude. It was like, you know, it felt like something that was toxic for me because it w- was loaded with like a lot of guilt. Hmm. Um, and, you know, after reconnecting with my family, like a lot of things changed. So, I mean, basically out of that email, we started speaking. Um, we started exchanging emails. We had a Skype call. I, re- I discovered that I have two older sisters and a younger brother. Mm. Um, and we made plans to meet. And so several months later, I flew out to Korea. Um, my mother and father, adopted mother and father from the States, flew out. My husband flew out. Um, and we had this big, I mean, reunion, I guess is what I would call it. It was a um, connection where I got to meet my birth mother, my biological father, um, and start connecting to my roots, mm. which is just completely mind-blowing and heart-blowing, even, even now for me to think about that, because that was 2011. Mm. Um, and that journey led me to discover that I come from a lineage of survivors of trauma mm. from, you know, war, from gender-based violence, it's like cycles of trauma and violence that passed down through my family members into me, into my being, into my heart, into my, to my nervous system, you know, before I even, you know, came out into the world to be who I, who I am. And, um, having that context and seeing that it wasn't just about me and my abandonment wounds. It was about something that was much bigger than me, just took, took me out of the center of the story and helped me understand that there is a whole cycle. Absolutely. And the night that I met my family, I came back to my hotel room with my husband and, um, he, I, I was like speechless. I didn't really know. I couldn't, I didn't have any words. And he turned to me and he said, you know, there are 7 billion people on the planet. How many people has this happened to? Mm. You know, he said, you are really expletive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are really <laughs> expletive. Lucky. Um, and I thought, holy cow. Like, I really am lucky and it's not just about being like lucky and grateful because I got adopted it's just like for somehow like everything just kind of came into alignment like it's not just about my wounds it's not just about reconnecting with my birth family it's like I have access to these different emotions that are part of the human experience right now that I have never fully felt before Mm. And I left Korea, returned back to, I was living in Europe at the time, um, returned back to Switzerland and like life completely changed for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the world in a completely different way. I quit my job I, in the corporate finance world, um, started Gratitude Alliance, not knowing what it would turn into. Um, and, you know, we've evolved over the last almost decade now to become solely focused now on supporting communities to mm. heal cycles of trauma. Mm. Mm. 
going to breathe. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to breathe too. <laughs> I'm going to breathe too. Um, thank you. Thank you, Amy. Um, I just, I know I said this to you uh, before. Um, there, there's so much imagery and color to your words. And um, it could be because I learn uh, visually and I'm a visionary, uh, but I was able to just get great visuals um, and imagery just as you were journeying back to how you came to this point in your life, um, how Gratitude Alliance was conceived, but the work, the internal work um, that you did before it was even birthed into um, what it is it is today, and that is that's something that um, you know. I, I commend you for doing that work, for still being dedicated to that work. Um, I, I say that you, you know, as I hear, um, I know that there was just recently uh, um, here in New York. There's the the platform Headspace um, that they're offering as you know additional support for people uh, during this time, and so much of um, the communication that's around leaping or entrepreneurships tends to lean towards what's in one's head, and mm. if you have a great idea, go for it and what you have been able to conceive, um, you first had to, in a sense, uh, for lack of better phrasing, it's like you had to spiritually, emotionally, and mentally die to what you knew of yourself to then be renewed to get to this, you know, um, a, a point of transformation and, and birthing of of healing for yourself and for others. So, um, again, I commend you for for the work that you've done and what you're doing, and also just representing that it's much deeper than just um, getting cleared of your headspace. You know, um, there there is definitely work <laughs> uh, that one needs to do to have more clarity in in their in their purpose and um and in the work that they're here to do so so thank you thank you for that reflection you know as you were saying that i was thinking gosh you know it feels like heart space Hmm. is is maybe what resonates more for me because Mm -hmm. yeah like you said and this is part of you know what the what the challenge is with i think a lot of the old the old paradigm of of mental health is like it's all in the head mm-hmm. um the healing is all through you know cognitive level therapy that happens like cognitive cognitive based therapy talk therapy like all these problems are just you know in you know <clears throat> i'm <laughs> i'm holding i'm holding my hands like above and below my head as if you can see me mm. um <laughs> are just I'm, I'm there with you, Amy. And, and, right? <laughs> so, um, and, you know, what we know now is, well, I mean, let's put it this way. You know, indigenous traditions have known this forever, mm-hmm. and now it's more that our Western science is catching up, mm-hmm. that our, our there's a heart brain and there's, like, mm-hmm. a gut brain. Mm-hmm. And, like, the number of neurons in, you know, each of those centers of wisdom, which I can't quote off the top of my head, but it's a lot, um, are also, also tell us now that like the, the wisdom that's in our bodies Mm -hmm. can't be ignored. And I think that's like a huge shift that's, that's made a big difference for me. Again, going back to like growing up with mental health issues and mm-hmm. feeling like I'm crazy, something is wrong with mm-hmm. me, it's all in my head, you know, I hear voices, um, I'm depressed, that all this stuff is just, it's pathologized, it's stigmatized, and, you know, like, have you taken your crazy pills today? Like, it's that type of, mm-hmm. that, 
level of stigma, mm-hmm. not at all considering like, you know, I'm a survivor also of child sexual abuse, like that trauma lives in the body. Mm-hmm. The memory of the trauma lives mm-hmm. in the body, mm-hmm. in my cells, in my nervous system. Mm-hmm. You know, pre-verbal trauma lives in the body. Ancestral trauma lives in my body. So, um, and in all of us, right? So that honoring, I guess, is, you know, that that remembering mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is something that we really try as an organization to highlight in the work that we do because, you know, we are so much more than the sum of, like, the craziness that we might feel at any point in time mm-hmm. in our heads. The wisdom that's in our bodies cannot be ignored. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Um, I, I, you know, it. Your response made me just ponder really quickly um, on just spaces to um, to do that. That centering of beyond just the mind, the heart, and, um, you know, past experiences. And now, you know, in a, in a place of, um, or space, excuse me, of social distancing where um, that interaction, I'm quite sure, was that you and your team have been able to, like, show up in person um, and experience um, the process in person for a person to, mm. you know, person or persons to really reflect and to feel uh, connected um, to others in the in the room. Like I, I, I just ponder like how do you how do you create that space now? Um, mm-hmm. in a time where we are, you know, being, <laughs> um, asked and required to keep our distance, our physical distance from mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. That is sort of the question right now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can only speak for me and what works for me and, I'll, and I guess, you know, I'll, Reflecting on, I, I sat on a call today for two and a half hours with our global healing director. She, mm. her name is Dr. Lemney Perez. She lives in New York, um, and we we do this check-in process where we ask each other, "How are you feeling in your mind, your body, and your heart on mm. a scale of one to ten? And mm. ten, ten is like I feel great. You know, one is like I feel really crummy. Mm-hmm. And we sort of just notice." And check in, like, you know, my body feels like a five today. I have a lot of aches and pains. You know, I haven't eaten or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my head feels like maybe a five or six. You know, I'm, not, I'm feeling some level of anxiety. I'm not super focused. And what I, I noticed was after, and my heart, my heart number before I had spoken with her was also just sort of like disconnected. You know, it was mm-hmm. early in the morning for me. I wasn't, um, and I was feeling a lot of, sadness and um and just taking the time like we spent the first probably hour just really tapping into how we're doing emotionally Mm, mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and making space for that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and once we made space for the pain and this kind of goes back to the quote that you mentioned at the top of the call making space for us to like really sit in like the pain sorrow um, grief mm. that each of us were feeling, you know, mm-hmm. at times like anger and frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, then we could shift to like the much needed levity, um, talking mm. about things that brought us joy, things that we were, you know, made us giggle. Mm. Um, and at the end of the call, I said, you know, my heart number is like a nine right now, which is surprising to me because I've been feeling so crappy lately. But, um, really I just needed the time to connect and like be present with everything Mm, and mm -hmm, you know like mm -hmm. we tend to want to say I can speak for myself um, 
I tend to want to, it's still, you know, my default to like kind of, I either go to like one extreme or the other. I'm like sitting um, only with the dark emotions, the, the uncomfortable emotions, or there's this like bypassing that goes to just like, let's just be happy. And the reality is like, I need space for both of those things. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe even in like five minutes, I'll flip flop. But I need to like, you know, like I need to hold both of those. And like one without the other feels unbalanced. So they mm-hmm. don't feel necessarily like opposites. They feel like, like maybe they're like friends that are coming from the same, the same heart. They're, you know, like born of the same heart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, and I, I, as you were talking, you know, it made me um, just think about how people, like, I'll, I'll say, like, for, like, the phrase, like, the New York Minute, like, go, 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 go. Um, and in whether you're in the private sector, nonprofit, you know, social entrepreneur or just entrepreneur, it's, you know, just hustle and grind or go, like go to the results. And uh, what mm-hmm. you shared is just moving, empowering through to a results, quote unquote, driven, <laughs> you know, approach. Um it's not always effective. You know, it, 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 it may speak to those that um, are more cognitive in nature um, and they just, you know, the way that they process information is in quick deliverables. Um, but similar to you, Amy, you know, I, I'm a believer that you need to have that time um, and that space to to process, um, to to go through the ebb and flow, so that you can then be your full self, um, so that you can then produce um, more effectively, more um, more to your you know like optimal level. Uh, and mm-hmm. I just believe that this this time where people are grappling with maybe more inside time with people in their family or roommates or whatever than they would like. Um, and I, I would say for me, I'm actually enjoying it. Um, but it's, it's, it's forcing, <laughs> it is forcing people to, to deal in ways that, you know, if we had more of the access to just being in and out um, as we were a little over a month ago, People just move, 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 and don't really deal with their stuff, like their gook, their 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 stank, as you as you put it in a previous mm-hmm. you know call. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you know um, now people have to deal with themselves and deal with other people in a very different way. Um, so thank you for just sharing, you know, how you and your team uh, have been able to, you know you've already institute, instituted uh, a process for just acknowledging that before getting to the work. Um, it's, it's very important. It's, it's, it's really, really important. Um, I have been also just, you know, following the, the latest um, and the, the rallying cry for how things are being exacerbated, you know, like inequities that for um, most people of color already knew existed. <laughs> uh, most mm-hmm. low-income working-class communities already knew it existed, um, have been operating in it, have been, you know, resilient in it, and some um, haven't been as resilient. And now it is just being exacerbated by this pandemic, both both in terms of health, like public health, mental health, and also just um, economically. And um, I guess I wanted to hear from you, just like in your work of dealing with and working uh, alongside communities, 
Um, how do you, how, how would you recommend, you know, we get past the, the stank that probably is, you know, hasn't been acknowledged and is now being more triggered? Hmm. Yeah. You know, I was just having this conversation with Lemmy, the woman I, I spoke about mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> with the other, our questioner, our healing director. We were talking about how, you know, people have been feeling pain. People have been suffering for a long time. And the fact that it's now, the collective just got bigger, mm-hmm. the, you know, um, is just, as you said, is, is highlighting the inequities. And so there's like already there's so many layers of trauma. There's like historical and collective trauma for folks of color. Mm -hmm. There's like individual trauma that people may have experienced that, you know, may relate to say, for example, interpersonal violence, Mm -hmm. um, or, or, you know, things that have to do with their, you know, relationship to their caregiver. Um, and then there's this, on top of that, there's this like, global crisis that's happening not to mention how how our um local governments our state governments and then you know our national government which i won't even go there in this conversation <laughs> is handling the situation so it's like all these different layers and um you know what i feel what I feel like right now is like the best that folks can do can hope for in this time is hoping in ways that, you know, some ways, you know, we want to try for healthy ways of coping. Some ways may not be the most healthy, Mm -hmm. but just like we, in our work, we differentiate between coping and resourcing. Hmm. We talk about how coping is something that we, do in the moment to get through to survive so um you know like when i'm feeling just at my most triggered state coping might be like running into the bathroom and like crying for like 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 screaming into my hands Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) you know crying and then like exiting like wiping the tears off exiting the bathroom so i can be present for you know, my, my kids, my family or whatever was happening. Right. Um, and that's okay. Resourcing, you know, we differentiate as something that helps us build resilience over time. Mm. So like resourcing might be like later at the end of the evening, when everyone's gone to sleep, I will let myself have that long boohoo cry in my bed, Mm. um, to really like feel the pain and get out you know, the, the stank, Mm -hmm, um, -hmm. you know, like let myself wallow, um, that will help shift energetically what might have just been kind of like pushed under the surface by my coping. And so resourcing is, you know, something that we talk about is also helps build resilience in our nervous systems to be able to cope with, um, or to be able to, be more in flow when we're in fight, flight, and freeze. Hmm. Um, and coping is just like, I just need to like make it through this moment right now. Mm. And I feel like mm. there are a lot of, the difference between coping and research, resourcing right now for folks is really kind of reflective of issues of power and privilege. Mm. So, you know, like some folks who are more privileged may be able to have more time and space for resourcing. And that's great. You know, like they may be able to do their yoga practice. They may have time and space for, for, um, gardening or, you know, things that really cultivate joy. Um, and other folks who are like frontline workers right now, there are emergency workers. They're helping stock the shelves so that we have food. These for, for folks, that are, you know, really disproportionately impacted mm-hmm. by trauma. Coping may be, you know, what 
serves them best right now and that's okay you know like I think in times like this we need to do what we can and putting any like undue pressure that people need to be doing things that they may not have time space or access to yep yep or access to Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. Um, and the easiest thing I think for coping, the easiest and quickest that I know of is breathing, you know, like just taking those three deep breaths, like, you know, it only takes a minute. And sometimes that is the thing that can save us, you know, like before, my gosh, I think about some of the things that, that people are doing are saving lives. Correct, correct, um, correct. Maybe they have time for like one breath, but you know, like the difference between like making a mistake can be life and death for somebody. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I just took a deep breath just as you um, as you said that, um, because there are moments when you know, just as you were speaking to. Um, it's just kind of like go, 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 especially those on the front lines, activists right now. Um, I know that there are, you know, uh, organizers that are really concerned, um, rightfully so, about like the impact that this is having on um, undocumented um, families and, and, and people, um, those that are currently and incarcerated you know it's it's a lot um it's like the the fight was already there and then now it just feels (laughs) further amplified and um it may seem and sound very cliche to breathe but it is very very important because the the breathing Mm -hmm. is actually (laughs) uh what lets us know that we're we're living uh and that we're we are living on 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 this side right um so mm-hmm. so thank you thank you um i yeah and you know sorry okay. go ahead <laughs> no go ahead <laughs> oh, just to to bring it to like a you know for folks that like to like nerd out on like the the brain science like to bring it to something that may feel real for for some folks like the breathing you know when our when our nervous system is in fight flight and freeze and it's like bracing for um that emergency response Mm -hmm. those few deep breaths are what can change us like change our whole body chemistry from being from being in that bracing mode all the time which is such incredible strain on our heart um you know it's what leads to heart disease down the line. Mm-hmm. It's what leads to any number of chronic health issues. Um, and, you know, and, and you know, stroke, diabetes, there's all this research now, which is showing that <clears throat> the more that we can help regulate the nervous system, which is just something that can be done with, you know, as simply as taking three deep breaths, that is our survival in the long run. Mm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it does, you know, sound like kind of silly and, and cliche at times. It's like, oh, well, you know, how is the breathing going to help me? Well, this is what's going to help us be in the long game. Yes. Right? Yes. And, um, and you know, our, our bodies simply can't be in that fight or flight mode for a long period of time. It's only designed for like short spurts, mm. you know, like if we're like, fighting that saber-toothed tiger Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's you know what the emergency response is for but when we're in it all the time that's when it leads to all kinds of you know physical health problems not to mention all of the you know emotional mental spiritual social behavioral challenges down the line too but just to like bring it to something kind of sciencey like this is this is you know it's it's both and it's the spiritual it's the emotional and it's the physical yes 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 and then um i'll also add um as you know the the virus is um 
is really taking a toll on those that have preconditions and um, impacting, you know, the respiratory system. It also, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just is a point of um, recognition and acknowledgement that breathing and the gift, truly, truly the gift of being able to breathe, uh, it's, it, you know, it, it's definitely of, of, of great value. Um, I'm sure that there are plenty right now that just are, are, are crying out, you know, in, in hopes that they would be relieved from um, the labor of trying to breathe or heavy breathing. Mm. So um, mm-hmm. I, d- I just want to um, also just connect it to mm-hmm. the actual, you know, virus at hand, that it is taking a toll on breath. So the, again, the gift, That's right. the, the gift of, of, of breathing. Um, another, <laughs> just another. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, this, this morning, th- there was an overcast here in New York and, um, we actually received news, uh, my husband, that his aunt um, passed away uh, this morning, actually, from, from COVID. And um, oh, I actually, thank you, thank you. Um, you know, I, I stood to, you know, be there and be present and console him. And I looked out, and again, huge, you know, overcast, (laughs) very cloudy this morning. Uh, And I saw that a hawk that we have been seeing for the past, I would say, three weeks reappeared. And now the sky is much clearer. And I was able to see the hawk um, through the clouds, uh, through, through the overcast. And it's because it is not, it is not a common sight. <laughs> I'll say, you know, in our neighborhood, um, to see a bird of prey <laughs> like a hawk. So the fact that we have been seeing it um, pretty randomly over the past couple of weeks, uh, we have been taking it as a as a sign and as a gift, um, and and truly as a message. Um, I know that when when we spoke, you know, you mentioned, you know, when you, when you quit, (laughs) when you resigned, you know, you, you looked up to the sky and you were able to see life differently. Um, And that it was a time where you were discovering life and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, just me being able to just even have the moment of acknowledging and observing just the overcast today to now the clarity and the clear skies. Um, I thought that it would be very nice um, to just make that connection with, um, you know, there, there are people that may be feeling stuck right now um, and they may be in that, that, that fog, that, that cloud um, you were able to look up and di- discover life. Like, what would you advise they offer up to the sky and, you know, and, and heaven in, in a moment such mm. as this? First, I, I really want to, I really want to acknowledge your loss. I mean, I just, my heart goes out to you to your husband, to your family. Um, I, it's you know, unimaginable. The pain and during a time like this when you know, as we know, <clears throat> we, were just ta- we were talking about this before, like the grieving process, mm-hmm. when our rituals 
are going to look different. You know, the things that we rely upon to offer healing and support because of this time of social distancing just make things all the much that more painful. And I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. And how powerful that in that moment you saw that hawk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, the question that you that you pose is, is something that I would often think about the other side of that when I was in my deepest moments of despair, like mm. feeling like life is so unfair and how could I even how could I even dare to look up when all I felt was that love it almost felt like a betrayal to mm. my own kind of suffering, you know, and and um that feeling of drowning. It's like, if I look up, that might be what like makes me gulp the water that causes, you know, the end of me. That's what, that's how it felt in, in some of those darkest days. And I guess, you know, there's, there are moments of beauty, moments of light, you know, the same, the same, um, light that we might see if we're able to look up can also be reflected on the floor of the of the room that we're in mm -hmm. for example yes and i think for me like what was so powerful after this experience that i had of reconnecting with my family was like i had i had missed all those moments you know like those everyday moments of of wonder mm -hmm. so like I would look at like the way shadows would play on the sidewalk and I was like whoa I've never seen that before I've never <laughs> appreciated that before you know I'm like oh okay that's just a shadow but like what makes that shadow is like the interplay of light and dark mm -hmm. and being able to find those moments of wonder in the everyday things that we're surrounded by. So, mm. you know, because <clears throat> sometimes like looking up might feel scary. And yet if I just am present with what's in front of me, which like right now I'm, I'm looking at my trash bin, this plastic trash bin, which has the light reflecting from the window onto like one section. Um, and there's a moment of like outside beauty that is just reflecting on this piece of plastic. Like that's something. And on trash. I mean, gosh, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the big moments of like, I mean, that was, that was like, that felt really inaccessible for me. Like mm -hmm. thinking mm -hmm. about healing was like too big. It's like, okay, one thing I can do right now is just notice what's in front of me. Mm. 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 In fact, I, don't, I might not even have to, like, move my head, you know. It's just, like, what's in front of me? And mm. just, like, looking at the colors, looking at the way the light plays with the colors. Like, that's something that can bring me into the present and remind me, like, I am here. I am here. And that's, like, one of my mantras, too. It's like, I am here like I am, I am a body in space and time in this moment. I am on this planet. I am alive. Like I am here. That's all I need to be right now is mm -hmm. just here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Um, and also just the, the imagery again <laughs> of, you know, light, shining on your trash bin <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> you know just the the metaphor um, for everything that we have you know explored and spoke about today um, it feels like trash right it feels crappy <laughs> uh, and a very unfortunate time and yet the birds are still in the air the wind is still mm -hmm. blowing there is still 
light, we still have breath. Um, those, those things, um, those reminders that uh, we definitely have a lot to be grateful for, even in the small things, even in the small mm-hmm. things. As, as you mentioned, the, the, the concept of healing may seem so far reaching and it's even in those small things of being present, looking before you, uh, that can truly, truly um, make an impact. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Whew. So. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I want to like speak to to gratitude for a moment, if I may. You know, I think one. Sometimes gratitude can be used as a way of kind of bypassing the pain of the present. Mm. And, um, and you know, as I, as I spoke to before, kind of like guilting, you know, like mm-hmm. um, it might make certain people feel guilty. Um, and, you know, it's really hard to get to gratitude without really feeling the pain fully feeling the pain and the sorrow and just like how I was explaining how you know my sense of of pain and joy are that they come from kind of the same the same beginnings I feel that also with with grief and gratitude and it's something that I experienced a lot with the loss of of my parents Mm. um it's feeling both like such deep, deep sorrow and, and grief and sorrow, just like this endless pit and also gratitude at the same time. And I would sometimes cry and think like, how can I be feeling these two things at the same time? They feel like they're opposed in some way. Um, and I think in those moments I was healing something, you know, this mm-hmm. like kind of binary way of thinking, mm-hmm. like holding space for complexity and I guess, you know, that's my invitation for myself now. Um, I know I need space for both of those things. And, you know, for others who may, who may feel the same, it's like we're experiencing such a collective grief in these moments, you know, on top of grief, pain, and sorrow that we may have already felt before this crisis happened. And also, is there, you know, is there space for to feel both that and to be grateful for just for one thing. And that mm-hmm. thing might even be just like my breath, like we were saying, um, it, it might be that I'm here. I'm, I'm my, you know, that I'm able to feel the pain right now instead mm-hmm. of numb it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it may feel complicated and complex, but I wonder if, this time that we're in right now is a chance for us to build our capacity to sit with, with complexity Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what that can help us grow out of this. Um, when life starts to shift as it will, you know, coming out of this crisis. So what does that then open up the door for a different kind of possibility, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, the the both and, uh, and mm-hmm. also the um, the introspection of 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 this time, knowing that definitely, like yes, we're we're definitely going to come out of this. Um, it's it's about how um, are we willing to come out of it? How can we come? out of it more stronger, you know, with greater capacity, as you mentioned, renewed from where we were prior to. Knowing that, um, just as you said, there are those that were already experiencing grief, loss, um, pain, trauma, and this moment is very triggering uh, further traumatizing uh, for, mm-hmm. for for folks, and there and it will it will pass for sure. It will pass. Like we will not exist um, in 
this moment. We're not going to get this very conversation back that we're having right now Mm -hmm. um, again. So um, they'll be greater. They'll definitely be greater. Um, So, Amy, Mm -hmm. uh, we, you know, it's just been a a joy to just have this moment, honestly uh, and truly, to to reset with you, um, to... Like I said, this is not your average <laughs> uh, episode, and it was very much needed for me. Um, I know that it will definitely bless others that um, that tune in. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and thank you, and absolutely. <laughs> it's been a pleasure, a pleasure. Um, in true fashion of Forward 40, we close with a T affirmation. So uh, with all that you have gifted us with, um, just want to turn it over to you to close us with your, your T affirmation. Thank you. Um, you know, it feels right to honor Rumi, who is my favorite poet, Hmm. Um, his wisdom comforts me every day and and my favorite quote of his is the wound is where the light enters Hmm. the wound is where the light enters Hmm. Hmm. and you know it's such a beautiful metaphor for healing that that comforts me Mm -hmm. thinking about you know these wounds these cracks you know, what I feel are these like cracks and fractures in my heart mm-hmm. that, um, that also open me up to greater sense of joy, love, connection, mm-hmm. empathy, compassion, and purpose that would not exist without, without that. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. It feels in some way like, like a portal and, you know, through that the light can flood in that's what that quote means for me. And I, I, I hope that it can be, you know, some comfort to folks for what they're experiencing right now. The wound is where the light enters. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Uh, again, beautiful imagery <laughs> with or without Rumi, like you just have great, mm-hmm. like your words. Um, they, they definitely, um, add great visuals um, to to just the experience, um, the existence um, that we all have the, the pleasure of just having, you know, life. Uh, and I, I thank you for lending your, your voice, um, sharing your story, and also, um, your expertise to this platform and for truly being one of the forward 40. Thank you. Thank you for persevering and thank you for encouraging us to do the same. Thank you. That's my deepest pleasure. Until we connect again, sip, sis, sila, share, and continue to serve.